0: are you working what's up guys welcome to another episode of sweat equity today from la or no from orange county we got orange on um one or appreciate you being here give it intro to yourself i know brian who has not met you wants a little bit of background if you have any specific questions, but give us a 30 second rundown and then I know you got some questions before we dive into this. All
1: right, perfect. Uh, I'm Oren, I am a recently formed internet personality. Uh and then a uh, and then a long long time entrepreneur. Uh started as a designer, worked in marketing, uh then got into product development and now do a hybrid of all the things. But excited to be here with y'all and uh chop it
2: up. Nice. So. How, uh, so you said you started as a designer. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about like where you started
1: designing, what you yeah. were designing? Sure. So, yeah. So I was uh, went to college for design, um, but graphic designer in particular. So, really, my career started in New York. I moved there from after college and was a designer for like a restaurant group, hospitality group, doing everything like menus and flyers and actual like in store signage and things like that. Uh, and then became a designer at a small agency, a PR agency that had a lot of interesting clients like. Very lifestyle oriented, like Grey Goose, Ciroc, uh, you know things of that nature. A lot of like uh, fashion talent, um, and then became creative director there. I became that because I was early into uh, Google Ads, Facebook Ads, and was like the only person at the agency who knew how to run it. As people started asking about it, um, we had pretty big clients a- at that time. Uh, Red Bull was a client. We helped launch Red Bull flavors in New York. Did a lot of yeah. events and things around that. Ciroc, same thing. When they were launching flavors, we would do like Hamptons events, we do New York events, uh, you know, uh, a lot of localized stuff and Then moved out to Austin um, after a couple of years in New York, and then entered like really went in on the marketing side, on the social marketing side. And so worked in tech here um, for five or six years, and then we started our own um, product development agency uh, called Gwyn Partners, that's still out here with uh, with two other other partners. Uh, and then I ended up uh, leaving out of that business where I had been at full time to do a uh, like a roll up in the cannabis space. So we had brought a bunch of brands together to do that, and I ended up I was in product there, but became the president of it overall got acquired by another company um, on the public markets and then came back to work at a uh, brand called Gel Blaster that spun out of that Gwyn Partners agency. Sure. It was founded by one of the uh, the main founder there. And yeah, now working particularly in marketing in that while also being a growing internet personality. And they've done lots of projects along the
0: way of all shapes and sizes. I'm sure we'll get into here. So they had this billboard that I fucking loved. It went viral on Twitter. Um, I don't know if Colin's the one that posted it, but I saw they it somewhere probably. and it was just like... a copywriting masterclass, right? Because so many people overcomplicate over copywriting. And it was just, uh, uh, I think a picture of like a pre-rolled joint and it just said, good weed. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, that's all it was. And it was fucking phenomenal. Straight to the point. Yeah.
1: And that was the tagline for this brand called Sticks, And so that was, I think yeah, the guy yeah. who came up with that brand, this guy Mike, I think also came up with the name of that that campaign. And yeah, there's just, that's an interesting industry and in, uh, where sure. you have to like work around all the fringes and the edges. And I'd worked in so, like a lot of disruptive tech prior. I had been in kind of in the defense side and I worked in drones when drones were still like a controversial word. And so I've yeah. always worked on that like fringe element of things. Um, yeah. We're all a different
2: toolkit. Yeah. Direct yeah. mail, billboards. How do you feel, Um, because you were mentioning Red Bull and some other like pretty mainstream, you know, clientele, like transitioning from that world into kind of the CBD, cannabis world. Do you feel like your design and product expertise helped y'all stand out
1: there? Uh, yeah, well, we were like, we were trying to apply, um, it was still a lot of the same principles, right? Like you're doing sales to retail stores. And a lot of my background had been in marketing and selling, supporting things in wide-scale retail. That was still happening. You're just in a more controlled environment. Um, and, the, and a lot of it's, you know, you're still blocking and tackling, you know, through the same things in terms of how you differentiate. You just have a really much smaller toolkit. But that industry is regulated to death, yeah. filled with a complex mix of people on both ends. Right. And uh, I'm happy to be out of it.
2: Yeah, a lot of gray area.
1: In that, yeah. in that space a lot.
2: You know, what spurred the decision to start posting on social?
1: Uh, yeah, and so I guess after after exiting cannabis, uh, I was like, hey, I, I don't want to be, uh, I've been operating an entire company. Like I had most of the the company besides like accounting and a few other things report to me. And I was like, I don't necessarily want to keep doing that. I want to get back into marketing and branding, something I love, uh, like product development goes hand in hand with that. You know, another thing that, that I love, and I was like, okay, things have changed in the past like three years. and all the, the tools we'd had before, like I, I had come to prominence in like the Facebook ad golden era, right? Yeah, and that, yeah. that was no longer the case. And I was like, man, I don't know anything about TikTok, Instagram, like how to really scale that beyond what we knew prior. And I was like, okay, I need to figure this out myself because I want to be able to make sure I can have those decisions. And I felt that way about everything in my career. Like, even human managing engineers, I want to be just dangerous enough to like be able to like, understand how long something actually takes to do or to like make a good brief. And so that's how the social started. It's like, I'm going to kind of nail into this. And I was really inspired by JT Barnett, who's a creator who's like, you know, gotta be creating, gotta be creating. That was the first guy who I like would, every time I saw one of his videos, I was like, God, I have to start this. Um, and yeah, and then it was, it went way better than expected. Like the first 50 videos or maybe even hundred videos kind of sucked. But then like, as soon as it caught, like it really caught and I was like, oh, now this is like a, now I treat it way differently, but it's only been it's been a year and like three or four months. And then yeah. on Instagram, it's only been, you know, eight, 10 months. Yeah. And so it's like, all right, now it's kind of like, I really view it as sky's the limit. Yeah.
2: yeah. One, one thing that, um, so we, we do a D2C newsletter and yeah. we talked to this guy named Tanman. And he had a really awesome thing that he was talking about, which was creator market fit. And totally. how do you think, so you mentioned like your first video, first 50 videos sucked. That yep. is obviously the glass ceiling that everyone has to break through in any sort of journey for a content. Like when were your first signals of creator market fit?
1: Yeah, creator market fit is such a good term and exactly what it is. Because I was just to start, I was just saying stuff. Like my first video was about direct mail. I was just like, cool, I'm just gonna make stuff about marketing that I know. That didn't really work. I was gonna do like some tips for product development. I've been growing on Twitter, talking about like factories and stuff. I was like, I'm gonna try some of that. Didn't quite hit. Um, but the first, it was funny, the first creator market fit was less about the content I was making and more about the delivery. And mm. I'd had someone who I knew in uh, in high school be like, hey, I see what you're doing, but you need to like slow down and you need to like spit way more game and you need to look hotter. Damn. It was like basically like literally what they said. And then the next video I did. <laughs> and this is why that,
0: remember, this is why you texted me uh, a few weeks ago and you were like, Damn, I see you, trap daddy. You are wearing the yeah, white beater yeah. when you shoot some content, yeah, yeah. dude? And it was because Orin the day before was like, "Yo, this girl told me I need to look harder when I when I when I create content." So I was like, "Fuck it, I'm making a video with right. a white beater." Yo, so you're the
2: good. reason that his shoulders have been out for the last five I'm, minutes. Yeah, so these, these, these things all matter.
1: Like now, like yo, it's one of the little little things I don't talk about. Like wardrobe is like a thing. Yeah, you know? and like also a thing for a for lot of sure. creators. But yo, but the next video I did, I like I slowed down. Yeah. You know, like I was, yeah. It was, you was like, "Suns out, guns thirst out." Thrashing
2: a little bit, yeah, trapping a little
1: bit, and like, <laughs> but like, and smiling at the camera and like being funny, and like, and uh, I was pretty lit when I did a couple videos in a row, and like, no way, and and they were and it cracked like immediately. And yeah. I was like, "Oh, this is more about the charisma and the personality For sure. and the side of it." Then, like, the content was fun. Mm-hmm. and so then I was like, "Oh, this is now, now we're
0: going." Yeah, absolutely, dude. One of the things that I found about again, I haven't gone as as viral as you have, or as many times as you have. But one thing I noticed about script writing and how I, I form a story, every video that's gone viral, I use transition words to start every sentence, like <laughs> and, then, yeah, which. And it made such a difference where like the average watch time was 25 seconds across those, I think it's five videos. They were all average around uh, 25 watch time. But I noticed each script started with like every sentence was a transition word. Yeah,
2: 100%. Well,
0: and I think even now, like, I have a formula for like, I just, I'm going viral again right now. And it's like pretty much every week now.
1: And I'm following the same exact format for that. And it's like Flex. that easy. And they're all category videos. Yeah. It's like, let's talk about like coffee machines is the one going now. It was luggage before. It was pants you know, prior pans to that. was going
2: crazy. But it's like, it's really just like you
1: stay, you, you, you launch into the like, it's like, here's the concept. Here's an agreeable take that everyone's like, yeah, that's like, recognizable. Right. Then you just hammer somebody who's like known bad. You know, and then you do a couple more takes for kind of resonance, and then you diss somebody that is like a cult favorite that the nerds are going to come out and be like, "But actually, bro." And then it just hammers every time.
2: <laughs> I got one. I got another one for you. You got to do vacuums soon. Oh yeah, yeah. I've done a status do vacuums.
1: vacuums prior. Yeah, and, we, and, and like it hit on on BL, and then I went immediately after Dyson. But like you went <laughs> after Dyson. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the, it's the controversy on that. And those are top of funnel videos. Exactly. I don't know how deep you want to get into this, but like the journal because like, people are always like, "Well, what are you gaining from that?" Like, because yeah. it's purely views, right? I'm like, "Well, look like, really, it's like." you know, 10 million people have seen my face in the last 30 days on Instagram. That's and crazy. And like, and, and 6 million, um, where it's like genuine, like, they feel like it's an impression. I'm like, look, that's just a top of funnel. Like for when I get a credible video in front of you, like you just know what that is, right? So and you got to treat it that way.
2: That's such a, I, I love that you brought that up and not to get too into the weeds of it, but like, what is your conversion rate on that 6 million impressions? And do you, you're mentioning oh, top of funnel. Yeah. Like obviously some videos are going to go super, super viral, not get to a lot of followers. Do you feel like yeah. the lower funnel videos get you more followers oh, well, in newsletters? The
1: followers, like, I think even the top one of get me the followers. Like, I might have a okay. lower ratio, but I'll get like, like that Pans video got about 40K, 50K followers just off that one video, right? No. We, uh-huh. were in
0: a, we were texting yeah. during that time because we were launching Cut30. Yeah. And like it's, it gained traction. And then like the next day, we in Texas. It's like, yo, this is, this is going to be the one. And then like you just texted texting It's like, hey, 10,000 followers, 15,000 yeah. followers. Holy shit, 30,000. And it was just like, and me and, me and Colin are just like, fuck.
1: That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> and, but those videos, like, <laughs> yeah. they may have a lower follower <laughs> right, think, ratio so. to view, yeah. but like, it doesn't really matter. And I, I view the funnel more like, those are people that are either aware of me or they come in to follow. Yeah. And then and I'm making everything in a, like a three-tiered funnel format now, where it's like stuff that's gonna reach wide on reels yes. or wide on TikTok. Second is credibility establishers, where they yeah. reach medium, but like, okay, now it's not me making jokes about coffee brands. Yeah. It's like establishing expertise. And then the bottom of funnel is like, here's, here's how I design packaging. And yeah. you need to follow my newsletter to get the tips on, here's the exact factories to do it with. Yeah. And then I'm converting them to the newsletter, and the newsletter is the funnel.
2: That's brilliant, dude. It, yeah. And it's all about that concept of affinity, right? Yeah. Like you, you touch someone for the first time, and they sorry, weird wording, but yeah. um, Reach like the, the first program. time you read somebody, <laughs> yeah, dude, my bad. <laughs> that's John's fault. Um, Thanks John. But yeah. uh, <laughs> like the first time you read somebody, obviously they're not going to be super familiar with their content. They yeah. see your face a few more times. Like it makes sense to go deeper on that content. And um, that's cool. I know a few of the videos that I've seen, like I really like it when you go into like the ins and outs of different ways to construct your box yeah. for packaging, you know? And like, This corner indicates this about your brand. And I'm just like, I never knew it got that granular. Well, we've reached such a hyper saturated era. Like, you feel
1: this in marketing, feel this in product design, feel it in anything, where like there's so many, so much of everything out there right now that all of a sudden every decision matters. Yeah. And I feel like you can deep dive into any of that and make those decisions. And really, it's just training people into that thought process of, how, how do I just care intimately about every single thing in my brand? Because if you want to walk in today and say, how do I improve my agency, improve my service, improve my product, improve my, my job? It's like taking those details seriously. Yeah, go deeper. It's an actual actionable list. It's not like some macro concept. Like, how do we raise sales? It's like, well, I can improve this thing today.
0: Right. One thing right. that I love about Oren and like what he's done with social is he nailed the creator market fit and then he nailed content market fit. And for me, I think the creator market fit is, what are you known for? Like I see Oren's content and I think he's a luxury branding guy. Yeah. You know, like back to that Twitter guy area, like right, he right. nailed that subconsciously of like, that is what he's known for. I'm, when I'm looking for that kind of content, I go to Orem. The second part is then he nailed the content market fit of like, these are my pillars. These are the pillars that resonate with everybody. And then these are the pillars that are going to help me grow. That is what I think you've fucking mastered of anybody that I talk to that knows about you, knows you as like the branding expert, but specifically in like the luxury space.
1: Yeah. It's funny. And I like, <laughs> I was doing pretty well on TikTok myself, but then I got a manager who—it's uh, got Anthony, who I work with pretty closely now—who like mm-hmm. really helped me construct that. It's something I encourage a lot of creators. They always think they have to come up with this themselves. Like I—I I wouldn't be a fraction of where I am without like what Anthony put into this, because uh, he was what he like literally gave me the Instagram strategy. He's like, you go on, you post this many times a week, you post, you do this many stories, you do like do it like that, and just don't stop. Wow. And it was like, and then he was completely right, and it was like 100k in like 60 days. Really? And then it was in workshopping these kind of things like okay, we press the giggle button every every week with this type of video. And then, you know, like, and then right, mm. how do we establish credibility? Like, yeah. and it was just being able to workshop that with somebody, right? Yeah. playing my own ideas and things I'm seeing, but just knowing that there's someone there who sees enough creators, I think is really important. And like, that's the hardest part is like getting those creator group chats. Like, are you in a bunch, like, crea- like, a, you know bunch. a bunch of like,
0: create? like, do you know a bunch of creator friends? And yeah, and, and, I, and I started
1: to get really active on that. Once I saw, to. like, when I started growing, I saw people start DMing me. I was like, oh, shit, like, all the people that are growing know each other. And now I just like, I hate everybody. Especially if you're seeing someone rising, you're like, oh, you're gonna be tight. Like just get them in there right now drop them in with a couple other, other sure. people and then be workshopping. And also like, and now it's like kind of tight because like everyone knows each other. And so we all, we know what, what people are pitching when it comes to rates. We know what, like, you start to like, really like work around that. And then we all know too, like there's this weird place of creators are at now where like, okay, cool. If people are seeing me and seven of my friends five to 10 million times a month. There's a lot of overlap there. And you're like looking at that between like, okay, well, what's the saturation of a television show or like traditional media? And we don't quite know what to do with this yet, but we're all talking about what we do with it. And I think that there's gonna be a transition once like groups of people like this figure that out in the next year or two, it'll be really interesting for where media goes in general.
2: Absolutely. I mean, you're getting primetime cable TV numbers, right? I mean- Which is hard to fathom because you're like not getting, it's. there's good money, but it's not
1: primetime TV money. But also it's like, there's a degree of that like fan- and you're like, okay, what do you really want to do with this? And then you right. start to think like, okay, as a group, like, what do we want to promote? Or what do we want to be active about? Like, that's where I think it hasn't really happened. Is if we all said, we want to press, we really want to support this creator or this movement or this charity or this brand, you probably could. But there hasn't been like some global thing yet where like that's happened. That's going to be interesting.
2: So before we move on to talking about like brainstorming for a brand, I do want to ask you one more question about the different platforms. Yep. So you've done a really good job building on TikTok, Instagram. Yeah. remind me how big your YouTube subs are. Oh, uh,
1: minor, like a couple thousand. I just reposted some shorts to have him yeah. take it super so, seriously. That's next time I'm agonizing
0: about it right now. Uh,
2: yeah. Um, not to bring up a source. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Oh, okay, we're just we're just like
0: spending I spend like a lot of my own brain power on that. Yeah. yeah Literally yeah. all day today I was scripting one YouTube video. Right. It's it's, it's a whole been, different but
1: well, there's so many ways to attack it it's too. Different. I'm like really I'm I'm debating. I've seen now these guys who went in like uh like Luke Beltram or his first video was uh Andrew Tate and like better for worse, I don't want to go deep into that rabbit hole. Yeah. But like you launched with fame <laughs> What's your right away. On him? I'm just kidding. Maybe hear him out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like kidding. that idea of like you launch right away with fame versus like you just, oh, okay, let's just start building super organic and see where it goes. There's a lot of angles there and it's like it's a big decision, but anyway.
2: For sure, for sure. And so th- obviously if you're agonizing about it, you understand yeah. the value of YouTube and how yeah. you know a sub there is a, a little more valuable than for a sure. follower on TikTok. Yeah. How are you viewing spending your time and allocating resources on growing into the different platforms?
1: Yeah. I spend very little time on content. Um, <laughs> which is like a kind, of, kind of ironic but like at the end of the day I'm doing like I write I make ideas during the week I'm just writing ideas down I'll get ideas from this conversation and put it on the list Yeah, I am uh, trying to script a bunch of them into bullet points on Fridays make all the graphics and finish scripting Saturdays and I record Sundays and that's maybe two hours each of those maybe really? like probably not and you're getting yeah. seven
2: pieces of content and six is
1: what I'm going for now nice. week. Wow. And, uh, and so like it's very much like maybe six hours Okay. And and I'm not trying to spend much more than that because I have so many other things going on. And so I'm just looking at maximizing. I'm posting the same stuff on TikTok and on Instagram. I'm not posting it on YouTube because I've just noticed... Higher production quality wins there. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm not doing that and I will eventually. Yeah. But yeah. that requires... That's going to require me to make that time jump. And so I'm looking at what's the minimum that I can do that gets the most reach. And like, really, it's like Twitter to some extent. I don't even know why I'm still on Twitter. <laughs> but like, it's Instagram and TikTok that... um that are really like, it, the same video, the same content. I'll throw some more ideas out there on TikTok. It's a more experimental platform for me to see what resonates. Right. I even throw a video, I'll do longer cuts there and see what people respond
0: to in the comments and then cut it down for Instagram. So yeah. I'm transitioning to like Instagram being my main platform Well, with YouTube being the goal. What I'm doing with Twitter is either A, just reposting the video on Twitter Yeah. or B, Turning the the script into a long form thread yeah. and or like works. a long form post, it just it works, doesn't get dude. that
1: same level. But like, I feel like it is good to like, hey, put a longer, yeah. digestible thought, and like, it's worth repurposing out there. But like, not I'm
0: literally just them. using Twitter as the bridge to the newsletter. Like, it always sends people to the newsletter. I will continue doing it. And TikTok's interesting because people focus on Instagram. Instagram's easier than TikTok. Really, and TikTok a follower is worth way
1: less than an Instagram follower because it's not showing it to your followers. Instagram starts yeah. showing it to your followers and then brings it to reels. Whereas TikTok just throws you out in the universe. Right. Um. But like, if you if you can move with TikTok and you can kill it on TikTok, no matter what, like you're just a savage at how the internet moves. And so there is some degree of like, don't give up on trying to be a savage, right? And so I'm, and I'm thinking about that right now too, So I've surpassed Instagram surpassed TikTok. I spend more time on it. And I know that if I was better at TikTok, it'd be better for me as a creator overall.
0: It's interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Did I tell you about the guy on in our cut 30 cohort that he went super viral on, on TikTok drove like three or 400,000 views, uh, which drove carousel, Yeah, in a carousel, then drove $15,000 in sales to his his company and then got picked up by GQ as like, what was it, like the product, yeah. like holiday gift guide? Yeah, yeah it was, was that for your ROI on the course. Huh? Yeah, for sure. Well, also, and that's part of the homework assignments was hey, that's everyone has to do a carousel this week. You have right. to try a different yeah.
1: post format. Yeah. So, like, no one would have done it if we weren't like, yeah, but yeah, it's that's dope. Um, uh, yeah, carousel and is a great way to go right now. For cut course. 30,
2: you guys short form course. Uh, yeah. first cohort had how many? I mean, oh, 60, eight, 60, 70 creators, 80 creators, yeah, yeah. studs like in there too, to right? Yeah, yeah, like, lot, so really, really, one dude went
0: zero to 10,000 on like 10 posts. Yeah.
2: So, you know, if you want to learn from these guys, I mean, yeah, I shameless, shameless it. Yeah, yeah, let's go. Gotta yeah. plug yeah.
0: it. So, yeah, cut3.co? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what we want to do today, we don't want to do an interview the entire time. What we want to do is essentially get you in here, workshop, essentially let you cook. Let's do it. The idea is to come up with a, with a brand today. We're going to figure out the niche. We're going to figure out um, one, how to then find uh, like the, the sources for that product, then how to market it, how to grow it. So, we're going to do that. Love it. Yeah. So my question to both of you, when you guys are starting something, how do you, how do you go about finding the niche? Like, what are your tools to kind of find what, what's a good opportunity? Uh, ayahuasca. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're, they're not, try, try a nice not. <laughs> trip up to the Pacific Northwest.
1: There's two ways to approach it. There's what you love or there's what you feel has, has product market fit. And that depends on your goals and what you're doing or what you have an audience around already. So I'm assuming that we have none of those. We have some passion um, and knowing how our, our backgrounds here, I think like. Uh, or one let's see one or something you know you can make something work on social i love i think we talk about activewear here today uh because one thing i do think is massively undertapped is like there's so many fitness influencers much like fashion influencers on instagram and tiktok that like don't have enough things to push there's not enough advertising collateral to go through them all and it's something that everyone engages with i think we have this new healthier active universe and so that's that's an interesting one but like yeah, it's like, what do you think is the ability to resonate? I care a lot about price point. That's the other thing. It's like, I really feel like there's a sweet spot, especially if you are going to have a combo of organic sales and uh, advertising based sales sure. in that 100 to $300 average selling price. Yeah. And if you're going to be below that, you have a hard time scaling.
2: Per, per unit? Yeah, per unit. Per yeah, I want to start, cart. Yeah. yeah, like
1: I think like getting in the 100 per unit, but seeing if you can get that cart closer to 253 is like, you can just, there's a lot you can do there.
2: Do you, do you look at that from a uh, like average order value perspective yeah. or a margin perspective? Average order, average order value. Well, okay. I'm
1: assuming like nothing, I wouldn't be doing anything that you're not getting at least 4X on. Yeah. Like, and, it, and like maybe you find, okay, maybe it's three, but like that yeah. is the, if you're planning to at some point go into retail, you have to be there. Because sure. you have to assume like, especially in like fashion retail, it's a 2.5X markup the retailer's getting. So you have to make money going into that scenario. Yeah. And then if you're looking at like standard retail, maybe that's more like they're getting, you know, 30%. Like, it could be smaller depending on what it is, consumer electronics, that kind of thing. But like, you need a lot of margin and you're never like, DTC is not, I don't view, I don't like DTC. I don't like it as a concept. Like Omnichannel is the only way. I think you should go about growing a business and you need to be able to build with retail margins from the start. Even if that's like, I'll have those margins once I hit X amount of orders or X amount of like uh, inventory I'm holding in my MOQs, minimum yeah. order quantity. But- yeah, uh, right.
2: That's how I look at it. Yeah. So 4x, and, you know, between $100 to $300 sale price to the consumer, right? Yeah. Got it. The other thing I think about is like, can you go on a, a tool like
0: Trending Topics, find what's rising in search volume, and then figure out like your niche by picking out something like that. Or even like subreddits. I think yeah. you can find subreddits products, is another one. You can one. find things to zone in on that way. Yeah. Like love subreddits for that.
1: Love, uh, you know, Answer the Public is another good one. We had done this prior. I would worked on a project where we had done, um, we were trying to flavor protein powder, super saturated niche but we were looking at like basically the the amount of search volume to the amount of people that showed up and like caramel was the killer, right? Where it was like, there's a bunch of search volume for that as a flavor, there is not many options, at least when we right. did this two, three right. years ago. Um, and that's, it. and also worth about thinking SEO and that in general, like I worked on a water company called uh, Chlorophyll Water, that's in like, you know, Whole Foods and Mos Market and Sprouts and all that. Uh, and when we launched that, I remember I was like, <laughs> really pounding the founder, because I was like, hey, we could be pause. number one in SEO for pause. Yeah, yeah. we could be number one on SEO for pause. chlorophyll water, like or for chlorophyll, but we have to build that SEO first. Yeah. If you're gonna go get all this attention and no one's gonna see it in search, we're gonna lose and like, basically it was like, just wait, give us like four months. Then we rose up, got that number one ranking, yeah. did this huge launch campaign, seeded you know, thousands of influencers, and went trending on TikTok, got like, it was eight billion on the hashtag, or a billion, sorry, uh, like by the end of it, just tons and tons. Yeah. And but uh, we wouldn't, if we hadn't gotten that SEO or waited for that timing, it never would have been as effective as possible. Because mm-hmm. you can go to a retailer and be like, look at all this interest on TikTok. Yeah. Look at what we're actually showing up with in terms of we own the search for this. So the category is going to be ours, at least for majority ownership.
2: And then we can then bring that to you as the distribution outlet. For sure. I think you definitely want to go after a couple of things. Uh, a really aggressively growing market. Yeah. Number one, you know, you want to look at, I wouldn't even say the last three years, maybe the last 18 months, maybe even a shorter time horizon, six months. Um, and then also... I think you want to really engage niche, right? Like you yeah, want a very sure. passionate group of people that are underserved. And so I think- Even you know, if you're not
1: growing, just engaging the niche. Like I think one of the ones that got posted on um, on Twitter the other day was that guy who had done golf bags for toddlers, where uh, it was like- I saw And that. he had like 900 on the wait list or whatever it was. It was like, cool, you could go, I'm passionate about golf. I want to launch a golf bag. Great. I want to show a golf bag for toddlers. Like it's just really having that. Uh, I have like a matrix I have my email list where you talk about that, where it's like, Get the category, get the product, like zone in on a level of niche and then zone in on a, like a marketing channel. And if the niche and the marketing channel are underserved, I'm going to sell toddler bags, you know, toddler golf bags on Instagram, wherever, wherever no one's really advertising. That's when you can like just zone in immediately.
2: What are they doing with it? What are the, what are the toddlers doing with the golf bag? Well, yeah, they're doing, <laughs> I think
1: it's just a tool for dads to get their kids involved and okay. make them feel, because they always want to do the same stuff yeah, you're they're doing. Like yeah, like matching. Yeah, so you just bring out your little thing with your two little clubs and then they get to set it up on the, you know, and like, and I think, it's crazy I mean, who knows if that's gonna be a huge company or not? But it's a great example of like he put 900 on the wait list by putting out the video of that yeah. niche product. And I think that as we look to build this brand, yeah, look at niche. So
0: what are we zoning <laughs> in and on?
1: Uh, well, so we start with active
0: What are we zoning uh, in on? Active for what? Yeah. All right, well, what do you What do we think is underserved? So I have a couple thoughts, but go ahead. Yeah. The the lame one because we're in Austin is pickleball. Austin loves pickleball. Yeah. Yeah. I
2: uh,
0: he we got two
2: that love pickleball. Dude, I'm in, right in a here. pickleball league now. Actually. Wow. Yeah. You guys are stereotypes not gonna lie i know i'm not i'm in the yeah, lowest not, level yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, not. Not, <laughs> I'm not i'm not i'm, still, I'm good i'm <laughs> I am good i'm still hooping you,
0: play pickleball. I, you don't I, hoop. I haven't played pickleball in months mm. pickleball
1: is an, an interesting one that we could easily t- to talk about that and build that uh i, but I look at pickleball too we, that's that, that's even not niche enough in my opinion like really? you would need to go like pickleball i mean and, like there's a lot of people going after that it's a growing sport whatever it is but like do we want to look at cool we want to make what's an underserved market there is it Older people playing pickleball that may not have purchased athleisure, like they don't right. have a bunch of Lululemon because they're 65 plus. Right. Is it people who are just getting into it Who is there a, a competitive edge you can give them? Um, it's interesting because I think about like activewear in general, like big, big groups. I look at like specific sports, like and do they have their own? Like uh, we were talking about running brands for this podcast. Yeah. There's people have zoned in on amazing products right. built for distance runners, giving them exactly what they want. Right. But I look at what are some categories that are huge that don't have that. It's like, cool. Has made, someone made activewear for lacrosse? Has someone like like women's soccer is massive. Are there brands or lifestyle brands that are entered towards women's soccer? Like. Not that I've heard of. I'm no. not the target market, but like there's huge niches there.
2: And there's there's a lot of pressure on the execution there too, right? Like even if you do go after that perfect niche, you got to make it so native and authentic to that group. Yeah, we just got to give them a better it. experience. It's really right.
1: just about nailing that. Like, okay, if I'm going to make athleisure for say we are going to do pickleball. It's like, okay, what movements or things I'm doing are are going to be able to be given a p- better experience because of sweating, whatever, like, Running is a great one for that because you care about the weight. You care about, okay, if I'm doing a marathon, can I have my little energy packets in there? Like, do I want a little keychain from a carabiner for my keys? Right. Like, what are those things there? Like, and I think that's what we really need to nail in on. If we do want to go down the pickleball realm or we want to go down you know, women's soccer or whatever it is, how, like, what are those, those pain points? that like, all right, oh, I'm always stretching Lululemon because my stride's too long when I'm doing soccer or whatever, that, when, I, when I kick too far, I need to right. stretch your fabric. Like, that's what we really need to zone in on. So do you have any of those pain points in pickleball?
2: Uh, as far as pickleball pain points go, I personally just well, my, my challenge would be I don't think there's a lot of cooler aesthetic. It's literally yeah. pickleball gear. Like love it. There's one yeah. brand called Recess. Yeah, uh, they're job. here here locally. They do an amazing job. Their paddles are beautiful and they're like very shoppable. Like you see it on Instagram, you're probably gonna scroll and like maybe check it out a little bit. Um, I don't, I did some research for the pod. I don't see a lot of competitors for them. There's like total pickleball, which looks like a warehouse type brand. Um, so the thought would be maybe we could create something that more people want to actually represent on the pickleball court and use traditional, you know, Nike viral stunt type of marketing to take it to market. Cause the way I see it is like you, you watch ba- you look at basketball
0: players or football players. There's certain fits, there's certain things that are trending within that sport pickleball. There isn't that. So when I look at the opportunity in pickleball, I'm thinking, what well, you and I were talking about earlier, can you bring like Kith to Pickleball where you have the cool kids club? Yeah, I think the hardest part is you intrinsically can't make Pickleball cool is the hardest part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you can make, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, stop <laughs> so fired. my that. Come on, uh, dude, you're in the kitchen. Like it's, it's going.
1: Yeah, uh, but it is, yeah. How do you bring that? Like, well, it's, it's less about, it's how you make the customer feel. Right. Not necessarily the perception. Like how do you make them stoked to go put this thing on? So do we want to have a performance element to this brand? We want to make it more purely aesthetic.
2: Um, I think it's it's an element of both, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a that's little why, bit of both. Yeah, that's why the Nikes and the Lulus of the world win is because they are performance. They're the best quality materials, they feel the best while you're actually exercising, but then they look good. And so do you think the pickleball customer, so then
1: if you want to get into some level of the performance, we gotta talk a bit about materials. Things where this kind of gets interesting, right? Sure. And so is there uh is the pickleball customer like sustainably minded or are they just kind of normal bras?
2: I think the challenge with this uh idea that we are trying to come up with maybe is that it is such a to your point it's not a very like niche crowd like pickleball's whole appeal as a growing sport is that everyone can play so where do we want to zone in on? i think we should zone in on one
1: thing we want to zone in on you know bras 25 to 35 we want to zone in on older part of me wants know, to players. go
2: for like women above 55 let's hit it let's go yeah great i think we build like the pickleball apparel brand for karen's interesting
1: love that
0: <laughs> I it's a genuine
1: niche that like, it's funny, actually, when I was, I was researching the pickleball space for a project a while ago, and there was like a couple brands that were like kind of going for that, I think it was more on the bag end. Um, but mm. I think like it's a super relevant demographic. Yeah, And also like, that's a demographic where I think performance matters. Because I what is it like pickleball has led to like some radical rise in uh, ER visits. Uh, yeah, like it yeah. to the point where it's like changing the um, like insurance premiums and things yeah uh, and i think that we kind of need to make sure that the gear that is out there is providing that right level of like safety compression etc for this older demographic
2: yeah and they the face swaggiest a, knee compressions in the game yeah bro they face a unique <laughs> set of challenges like a lot of a lot of people at that age level have different physical limitations you know yeah. that they've experienced throughout their lifetime so if we created apparel that so I'll solve that but also kind of looked good make them feel comfortable
1: then we're when we're grooving so I think we need to go if we decide that's our audience we need to go talk to that audience because what a lot of people don't do is they'll go like I want to make blank for these people and then they yeah, actually know nothing about it so for sure, we're going to get our focus group together 10 to 12 55 to 75 year old uh, yeah. pickleball playing women that should be, it should be easy requirement enough.
2: you must have at least, at least one grandkid or yeah Okay. Perfect.
1: run it. Yeah. Like, oh, although we, we don't mind our, our late-stage. One no-case. in-store
2: complaint at Target, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you're yeah. in.
0: You're in this focus group. <laughs>
1: but, I think, yeah, but I think really that is about like, okay, let's get out there. Let's talk to people about like, what do they wear now? Why do they wear it? Like, what do they think could improve? Let's try to put some options out there of things that we think make a difference. Mm-hmm. And then I think really look at, uh, I think the hardest part with that demographic especially is how do we decide what makes that look good?
2: Right, right. I guess we might need a uh, a co-founder in that demographic.
1: Yeah, you could do a co-founder of that demographic, or I mean, I'm sure there are people in industry who design for brands that appeal to that aging aging demographic, you know? Um, sure. And so I think maybe we really look at, as we go into design for this, we should probably employ people that
0: have really spent time in color theory, like inside that world. What are you trying to source as soon as you, get, you build out this focus group? What are you trying to, what answers are you trying to get? And I'm trying to get material. Like basically like, uh,
1: and looking at some interesting brands have done interesting material things. There's a brand called Driveway Paradise, I think they're a smaller brand, but they have like a, I think it's like a mushroom based shirt that is actually really interesting because it's like not like a, it kind of has some of that moisture wicking. Like it feels good when you run, but it's not like fully like that. And I don't know how, I think people now are starting to get a little tired of wearing like full plastic to work out. For sure. And so I think there's some degree of like finding that unique material. But yeah, really, i uh, I have a list of like material reference places and yeah. I'd really be going and looking at like, all right, what is there that's like unique that we can get in front of people as like sample garments? And I think some of the options in that in active wear is like, all right, if you don't care as much about sweat, let's go for cotton or let's go for linen because it's going to be feel more natural. People are moving away from polyester. Let's really go that angle. If you care a lot about sweat, you really need to be looking at like a unique product. Or if you're looking at like, how are we going to help these people play pickleball in the winter? We need to be looking at like, okay, what's going to be able to keep heat on and then also prevent sweat like in that environment.
2: Are there any materials that are moisture wicking and like performance oriented that don't have the negative connotation of plastic?
1: Um, I think, well, what you see a lot of people do is... Um, it really depends how much polyester is in. I think no matter what, if you look at that label and has a good percent polyester, then you're going to be kind of in some kind of issue. But like there are hundred percent are. And I think I would go first and look at brands that have trademarked their own materials and have really built something out with that. And so that would be Satisfy. ASRV has done it as well. They yeah. have like pages on their site where they'll have like, here's the eight things we did. Really? And yeah. I don't think that they're, yeah, they'll trademark specific materials mm-hmm. and they'll call it like, you know, like Active Glide or whatever it is. Yeah. And they're yeah. all going to these same couple companies um, to actually develop those out. Like, and I think I have some popping on this so, list. So do
2: most of like the, uh, say you got like Legends and then you got ASRV. So for context, Legends is a really popular like shorts, at, athletic apparel brand started by a bunch of former athletes. And then ASRV is, you know, a technical, athletic, you know, maybe, uh, would you say CrossFit or like un- yeah, just, performance training? Kind of yeah, kinda, yeah broad training um, looks futuristic. You look yeah. sick while you're wearing it. And uh, those brands are kind of in the exact same niche. I would say, yeah. at least from a customer demographic perspective, but different approaches. Do yeah. they go to the same manufacturers or? Yeah, so I
1: think they're looking at, like, I think everyone's going to, like, uh, so there's there's Scholar um, who, like, to have their own set of textiles and develop custom textiles. There's uh, there's people like Young Text that will just make a textile for you and they have, like, basis to start from. But that's, like, a whole thing is you need to look at what are you trying to achieve with it? Like, what are you trying to do better than what exists out there today and be able to accurately describe that. And that's something that not a lot of people without, like, a textiles background can probably do. So you either need to be, like, Having a super consultative process with one of those folks or be hiring someone who's really gonna work on materials with you. I feel like a lot of founders who really start this journey are just gonna dive into the learning of the materials, right? Yeah. Um, but you could go to someone like Scholar and like either look at the materials they have off the shelf and be like, hey, we're gonna buy these by the yard or commit to the minimums there and start with something there and then look at, okay, how are we gonna improve that over time to be something uniquely ours? I feel that's like what someone like District Vision has done is like start with some things that currently exist and are being used and then like kind of find their own perfect blend there.
0: Any names on the brand here? Y'all got anything?
2: Uh, on our pickleball brand, yeah. You got got, anything? I got a couple thoughts. Let's hear it. Okay, so number one, so a pickle is obviously a fermented cucumber. Love that, right? So I was thinking we could call it Firm F E R. They might actually work with an older demographic too.
1: You know, right. I, honestly, I think that's great. Let's go. Yeah. We can yeah, okay. do some cool Done. stuff. It's <laughs> short. It's
0: punchy. No one else has it.
1: You got to look at the domains? Or, you know,
2: yeah. John? We're going to go to test right now. We're going so, to check see if there's any so trade-offs. I got Firm. Firm is one idea. And then uh, the other idea would be Volley. V-O-L-L-Y. Those are both good names.
0: Dude, I really like Firm.
2: Bunch of good domain names for Firm? Oh, so
1: those are both good names. I, oh. I'm, first, I'm going to look at test before I look at at... Uh, at the domain. So for those who don't, test is the U.S. Patent and Government Association. You can do a free trademark search and see if there's anything on there.
2: That's awesome. And we're going to link to all of these resources that Oren talks about in the description because yeah, this stuff is crazy valuable. Not to uh, distract you from the rabbit hole you're going down right now, Oren. But I am curious. So one brand that I think has done a really interesting job recently is Cuts Clothing. Um, oh yeah. So they are.
1: They're doing. Look, they got lines around the block and down the stuff.
2: Yeah, they're they're crushing it. And I do feel like you might have a, a hot take I just about like, their brand. <laughs>
1: they, it's one of those where, like, look, they they have brought full circle this idea that like athleisure really is more about like how do you just wear clothes to the office that are comfortable that still look like office clothing. And they've really kind of nailed into that. And I think every person who's developing a brand needs to really have the understand the difference between what they like and their own taste and what the people will like. Yeah, I think they understand their demographic. They've really gone after it and they've really cared about what people care about is do I look good in this clothing? Like a huge percent of like things, people will release something that looks great in the design or does that, but like, does it fit body types? Because people aren't, not everyone is skinny. Not everyone is, like, and how does that drape? And how does it work? And yeah. cuts really cares about that consumer experience. And yeah. the point of like a guy walking around like that—it's just showing the confidence that someone has. Yeah. If you're an average person, by wearing a thing, and they go and they look at that and they go, "You know what? That's accessible. It's not too wild. It's not too anything." So I think they're doing a great job finding their target market and getting to it. I just um, think I'd wear it.
2: Yeah. It's <laughs> that that in, that inclusivity. Uh, it's something that we we talked about before with Abercrombie. Um. Yeah. So Abercrombie's rebrand was fully focused around like they used to be a very exclusive only for skinny people brand and now they're like i used to work there used to be a greeter i'm well aware (laughs) yeah yeah
0: yeah. (laughs) they've uh, changed their entire branding on like on on just all their clothes were. Yeah. The, you don't see the big Abercrombie anymore. No, it, 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 all, it all, all like this gives, vintage sport and college, dude, and it's whatever. like yeah. all these brands yeah. like copied almost like Fear of God with like, it's just like a the a brand essentials. It's a new like. A, well,
1: I feel like they're really selling like they're you're accessing nostalgia. Like they took a lot of what the youth were actually wearing yeah. and just being right. like, hey, cool people are wearing band tees, wearing this, wearing these colors, and they like embraced that preppy style. They yeah. made it not brand forward. It's definitely on the cheaper end. I feel like the quality has decreased. Yeah. But it's but that's, like an approachable but, price
2: yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah,
1: they just made like preppy. It became become more of like preppy H&M, but caring a lot about like the look and feel and general aesthetic of, I think they've done a good job.
2: Preppy H&M, that hits. Yeah. That, that's a good one.
1: You can launch that whenever you want. Um, <laughs> all right, so
2: it sounds like we might be rolling with firm. Yeah, As, as, yeah. as a brand. So like the first thing that we're going to do is obviously we want to start sourcing some materials, like deciding what materials. Yeah, talking to our customers. So yeah. do you want to just kind of, we, we were getting into the factory side of things, but are there some resources that you go to?
1: Yeah, tell them, so like... um. I have like this big database I've gone over time, but like a lot of it's just like, is like Google. Like, yeah, yeah. but uh, at least in terms of like getting materials, like who kind of makes this. And then also looking at, I use Import Yeti a lot, So Import Yeti is great. Like when we, I was doing an activewear project, uh, maybe two years ago, when I was really getting into activewear and building this for a brand. And we Import yeti all of 10,000's manufacturers, uh, which is funny because I saw an activewear course now, and we have a, uh, a whole list of factories in there, and one of the, like, one of the guys from Ten Thousand, like one of the founders, was like, "Man, some of these factories are, like rare. And you found them?" I'm like, "Yeah, bro. Like, I was literally researching your brand and reverse searched the thing. They never responded." <laughs> uh, the no. <laughs> uh, but like that's literally how it goes. So, import yeti, you go put in a brand. Not everyone will show up. You have to have like the actual legal name of the brand. Right. But you go pop it in there, and you can see what shipments they're getting from overseas, mm. and you can go backtrack to the company. You'll get the company name like Shenzhou Warehouse XL Limited, and you can yeah. go try to hunt that down. And you are mediocre hunting that down through Google. There's only so much there, but if you have someone on the ground in China then you can definitely get to wherever you want to get to. Uh, right. And there's people that are like middlemen that will like be your agent to help with that. For sure. But honestly, uh, if I'm not going and hunting down that rabbit hole of who makes what for someone else, because a lot of the times they're going to be at too big of a scale. You have to be looking for smaller brands to be able to hit that. Then uh, I use Pietra for a bunch of it. Uh, Pietra's great versus Alibaba because you don't, everyone's vetted that's in there. Like It's a smaller factory database than like the full-size Alibaba. Because you go to Alibaba, you're going to have to like sample everybody and be yeah. like, who's good, who communicates well, you know who's actually sending me the stuff that I I ask for. Whereas on Pietro, like, there's some of that, but I'd say you're more like a three out of five hit rate or a four out of five hit rate versus that. Like, uh, especially for something you don't know a, a lot about, and uh, going it through there, and you have like a concierge you can hit up versus Alibaba, you're just in your own world.
0: With with those companies, like, what does the out the outreach process look like? Do you have to ask for specific things? Like, yeah. what 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 is that? So usually, look like?
1: what I do is I'll put together a brief.
0: So, for instance, if we were going to go do this for this company, and we said, hey, we're gonna we're gonna start in our
1: first. Uh, products are going to be like, we really want to focus on, you know, knee sleeve compression and shorts. I'd be like, cool, sort of brief for each one of those, an initial brief. It doesn't have to be your final product, but the brief basically consists of, here's what we're trying to do. We're trying to make a knee compression. Here's a couple links to similar things. Like here's, okay, Nike sells one. These ones sell one. These one would do whatever. Uh, and here's then some notes on what we're trying to make different. Hey, yeah. we need to be a shorter. We're trying to get a different fabric. We want to have these colors or this pattern or whatever it is. And then you kind of send that over and be like, hey, what do you guys have that's like this? And either they're going to say, we can make you a custom sample, exactly like what you said, and it will cost X. Or they'll be like, hey, it's too much to make that custom sample, but I can send you these five things to see the material. I can send you these four things. So you can see like what a fit of our sleeves and stuff is like. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's really that you send over that brief. You ask them what that cost is going to be like for a sample, like what their capabilities are. Uh, and then you start getting some things over. But this process takes time. Like I would yeah. give us a good year to get things back and forth.
2: That, that, was, that was going to be my next question is how do you view kind of like validation too? Uh, how do you validate that you feel like you have the right material and you have the right cut? Yeah, it's, it's getting it on people and in front of people, right? Yeah. And
1: I think that that's really where like, so um, we talked about Omnichannel earlier. Like two things i like to have at the beginning of any process is one, like have some of your target customer base you can actually work with easy if you yourself are the target customer, but obviously that's never not quite that easy. So it's just having some of those people like on speed dial that will give you feedback. Uh, And then also having a buyer in the category at retail. And so Mm. I always recommend when you're starting something like just have one retail store, like a local regional chain. So we could go into, say there's a... Like Dick's Sporting Guys. Exactly. Or even like... Walmart. Dick's is more of a... They're mainstream. I would say go get like like Academy or lower, or like what's a, what's an independent store here in Austin that sells pickleball equipment and it used to be a bike shop or whatever. It's like, hey, yeah. let's go talk to them. Be like, hey, I'm building this brand. I'd love to be able to get feedback from you to do it. I'd love to be able to consign some things when I do build something, like happy to pay you for your time or you know do whatever helps out or get pizza for the team once a month. And build them into the process too, because they know what their requirements would be to actually sell it to their customers.
2: For sure. There's there's definitely like a several uh like independent pickleball facilities that are popping yeah. up everywhere. Like obviously Collective has their court, but there's this place, Austin Pickle Ranch. Have you seen that yet? Yeah, but it's like a cool, like six court six to eight courts, like rooftop overlooking the skyline. It's on the west side. I bet they have to have a pro shop. Yeah, right? well, yeah, and they may have something in there. You could say, "Hey, look, we, I'm building this thing. Would love to sell it in here
1: one day. Just want to get your feedback along the way." Yeah. And what I love about this is not only are they going to feel like they're part of the process, and then also you can go validate and sit, stand there as a founder when you launch it or get your first 20 samples and like try to sell people and learn your pitch. Right. But then when you go to real retail, then you say, "Hey, we're pitching Dick Sporting Goods," and you're going to be like, "Look, awesome pickle pickleball ranch, whatever it is. Like, they're a case study. I have a testimonial from them. I'm selling eight units a store a week." right now and then you actually have somebody because that's what most people do they gotta go to retail and they go i don't have anything well if you've been building that since day one you at least have one case study to go have that pitch with
0: right dude that's one of the things i was thinking about before when we were talking about this was like i'd be going to all the different pickleball clubs here so there's like east side paddle i think that's like growing um the one that you just mentioned the collective dreamland figure out how i'm part of their merch process yeah. For something like this. And then how I get to infuse into this like little community. Because I went over to Dreamland. Um, This was a few months ago. And they have 20, 30 different courts. Like right there. It's huge Crazy. fucking. Uh, I don't even know how many acres it is. But it is a massive facility. The amount of people that were in that range. 50, 55, 60 playing pickleball. Was insane. Where like you can just have this focus group. You could have all these people. That you could get the product in front of and get all the feedback needed. Yeah. Also, region is a niche that I think people forget
1: about too. Where it's yeah. like, you could just be like, we're making, say we didn't want to go for 55 plus women and we just said we want to go for
0: Texas pickleball. Yeah. Mm. You
1: could just make a you could make a brand mm. that will could be multi-million dollar brand a year. Again, you may not scale it to the moon, but you could have a very successful lifestyle brand if you were like Northwest pickleball or you know, Texas specifically, like deep yeah. south, whatever it is, and go for that vibe for that customer. You can still target them on social media. And, and you can build that affinity. You can be like, hey, we're really about this. All those big courts around here for pickleball, we're naming them. Right. Like we're, our shirts are going to be named after those those brands. We're going to put those locations on it. It's going to be like Dripping Springs fucking pickleball team, whatever yeah. it is. Like <laughs> that's the kind of stuff that people will become fans of because it feels personal to them. So if you're not differentiated by your demographic, you can be de- you know differentiated by your your regional focus.
2: Dude, I love that idea. Yeah. That's such a good idea. I mean, you we're look planning. at like Aviator Nation and uh, Marine Layer, right? Yeah. Like this this California aesthetic has been sold a million times over, and it, it goes national though,
1: yeah. right? Marine Lair is an interesting one. They worked with this PE firm um, I'm familiar with where. They got big enough D to C that there's P firms. that will be like, "Hey, based on your D to C metrics, we'll help. We'll fund retail for you, for sure. and we'll help you open these twenty doors. We have to do it at a certain scale, at a certain metric level." And like, yeah, it's interesting.
2: Do they do that with? Uh, is that kind of so? Like Abbott Kinney, the street in L.A. Yeah. Obviously has like all the D 2 C darlings there, right? You have like the Warby Parker, and then like you know, there's several that it seems like they all go together. Like Allbirds is yeah. over there. Is is that that PE firm at work?
1: Well, it, I think there's like two things, right? Where like people want to go to where people are already going for the things that they're buying by it. So there'll be some level of like proximity, uh, and then some is like, yeah, if people are buying real estate blocks or whatever that looks like, or they're getting deals through that kind of thing. But because
2: um, it does yeah. seem like the the same brands that are on Abikini are also in South Congress here in Austin. Exactly. Yeah, well, I it, think a lot of it too is they're just copying, right? Yeah. Like, and they're like in Soho in New York, like it it's, it just seems like they're all kind of like. I think well, there's two together. types
1: of locations, right? There's the like we have we're in this location for marketing and the sales don't justify it. And we're in this location because we're getting traffic from our target demographic. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, yeah,
2: yeah, never know. Texas pickleball for moms. Te- Texas pickleball. Well,
1: yeah, yeah. and then you got the question of like, okay, if we're three layers deep, pickleball, Texas, moms, are we too niche? Yeah. All right, and then are we in two layers? And then we're kind of splitting our focus being like, all right, it's Texas pickleball and we got like a whole mom line and we got a whole broad line and yeah. we're gonna go hard on it, you
0: know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How do you think about growing it then?
1: if you're going niche or you're going split down into it?
0: Yeah, if you're going niche and it's-, it's, it's If
1: you're going to something like just pure Texas, you gotta look at like, okay, how saturated can I, like you really have to look at like, how many of those, like doing the math out of like, all right, there's 6 million pickleball players in the US, I'm extrapolating, and X amount of percentages is in, is in Texas. Okay, here's my total available market. Here's what I think I can sell to them per year. Here's, I think what I will cost to reach down. How big is my business? And if you're back to the napkin math, out, you can be like, all right, it's like a $2 million business if I kill it. And you're like, right. okay, we're, we're too dive in. Maybe we should be the South instead. Heartland yeah. pickleball. You know, where we're yeah. running with it. Rust <laughs> yeah. Belt pickleball t-shirt is going to kill it. Yeah. Buy, yeah.
2: <laughs> it's also good because, I mean, pickleball has probably at least got some seasonality to it. Right. Yep. So you might want to look at the warmer states. Yeah. So. And
1: that's how you can kind of zone in there. Like even the thing, if we were zoning in on like, look, we're really trying to make this for pickleball players of a certain age. It's that same demographic math. I, I think a lot of people don't do enough back of the napkin math. Like where you because you can find some of these statistics. You can be like, all right, this report said whatever. For and sure. you can really look at like, OK what is a reasonable percent for me to get of that to access it? And how many of those people I think are on meta and, and where am I going to get this from? And then you can really easily validate ideas by just kind of running down that the amount of demographic, how many I think I can reach, what do I think it's going to cost to reach them doing basic like CPM math. Okay. What is my average order value? Like, okay, this business doesn't work. Yeah. I think a lot of people just don't do that. And that's the kind of stuff like
0: a spreadsheet you can handle. From the marketing side, like how would you go about validating this idea? You know, well, I think
1: what's, what I love about this and we can get in like building in public and stuff here is like, you just should be go, going and like, before you make anything, start documenting the journey on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. Yeah,
2: I think assuming, okay, so let's let's do a quick pivot here. Cause assuming that we are the founders as three yeah. dudes, maybe we should not focus on a, a demographic that we yeah. aren't. We're pivoting we to Heartland. Just, yep. Yeah, let's, <laughs> I, I like Heartland Pickleball. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Bible Belt Pickleball, yeah, yeah. new name. <laughs> um, so yeah, say we're doing, you know, explicitly for kind of like Southern region pickleball players. I think, obviously, building in public would be cool. Would you go into these, like, physical locations? Would you talk about, like, building with the materials? So, two things. Like, one, um, I think, conceptually,
1: well, this is going to be something where we're going to build a killer product, like, in the background. We're saying, hey, we're going to go get our own custom material. It's going to be, like, perfect for, like, it's hot in the South. We're, we're, we're going to make perfect heat performance, pickleball shirts, tops, bottoms, whatever it is. And yeah. so, we're going to go dive into that. But in the meantime we're gonna sell some lifestyle stuff. We gotta get the brand out here. So we're gonna go, it's like Dripple Springs, pick Pickleball League, whatever it is. Like, let's go find a couple key locations, you know, like Nashville, Blink and Blank, whatever. And we're gonna develop a couple styles on that. And we're just gonna start talking about what we're doing. And so I think there's two choices. You don't wanna let people know what you're working on. And we may not, we might wanna keep it in secret. I think we just really start building out like a Pickleball content base, where it's just like documenting all these places around it. Five top Pickleball spots in Austin, five top Pickleball spots in Tennessee, four places you don't know about in Nashville that have an amazing view, whatever. Like, right. and, and so I think we dive into that content about the niche so we can begin building that following there to add the brand on. And it's the decision between build that content that's like that or build the, hey, I'm making a blank brand and dive into that. And I think really that just depends on do we think someone else is going to jack it or do it better uh, in the time it takes for
2: us to, to actually it launch it. I think uh, what you just said is really about the content pillars is is really strong too because if you do that from an SEO perspective, right? Like yeah. if we're doing the top five places to go play pickleball in Nashville, then that's going to be a great SEO article over time. But yeah. it's also going to be a video that's probably pushed on Instagram Reels, well, and on, TikTok on TikTok locally. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they're searching there too. So it kind of does give you this element of build once, distribute everywhere from your content yeah. strategy. And
1: I love that idea of curating content first. Like just build content about your niche, then layer your story on top of it. So then you get that other aspect. People get to actually build an affinity with you, then launch.
0: Yeah. You know? And I think the only so other... Like yeah. Curating a top, like some of the best, like volleys and all that shit. Yeah. Finding whatever Starting whatever there is. and then yeah. going into like... And your angle might be, I'm highlighting
1: things in my region. Your angle might be technical skills. Yeah. It's like find what that thing is comfortable for you or hire a creator that's, that's good for X and Y that, okay, what are their skills? But I feel like a lot of people will have some perfect content plan, but the content plan is one thing. Like... We can write, between the, us sitting right here, we probably write some amazing content plans. We all know that the missing piece is who's going to make the content that actually knows how to make this good. And that's actually way harder to get. So your content plans is probably more based around who's going to be doing the content and what they're good at and comfortable with than all the best ideas you can write.
2: Absolutely. So I think growth hacking wise, obviously, we, you know, short form was a big basis of the initial conversation. We want to do a lot of social first content. Um, one thing I'd like to kind of brainstorm on is just like viral stunts. I think there's a lot of different ways that pickleball, it brings everyone together. As you said yeah. at the beginning of this, it does have a certain connotation of not being maybe the, the coolest uh, thing yeah, in the I world. i got a good idea for
1: it to be this. So the other you know, that format is like it's a cut template where the, like the tennis ball or the ball hits the person in the side of the head and then it transitions into the video. Yeah. We're doing a thousand of those. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Pickleball hit <laughs> like someone just smacks the ball. Grandma smacks the pickleball, uh-huh. hits right in the head, transitions into...
0: Let me talk to you about the Bible Bell pickleball. System. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's awesome. I think from like a, the affinity standpoint, I would first go the route of like the the building in public, kind of like what you're saying. Like unfinished legacy. I'm sure you've seen yeah. them. They do a great job of build. Like the, the founder does a great job of building in public. Like ha, one the story behind the brand. Then it's also like how we screen screen print our tees. This is the the material behind our shorts. And that they've gotten, they've literally created like this cult culture around their brand where like they all buy into the brand. But then from the viral standpa- standpoint of like, once I get people to buy into the brand, I'm like, okay, now how can I get this brand to the masses? How can I get fucking a ton of eyeballs yeah. to see it? And and my part is like, okay, so how do we then go viral? So my thought is in the pickleball space, everybody's kind of doing the same. Everybody shares just volleys. Like that is the viral piece of content now. Right, right. So my thought is like, what, what is it that we can do that nobody else is doing And that will also like get people to care about the brand. So I came up with some ideas that I think could get this brand in front of millions of people. So the first one is like, can we gamify this? And can you score a point on a pro for $100? Love it. One, I think that would crush. Yeah. Two, I think you could set up like cams on the court and it's like, was it in or out cam? For sure. Right. Yeah, like, or or submit hitting... your
1: longest volley. Longest volley at the end of the month is TRX. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, there's That'd a lot be, of these yeah. things we can hit here. Yeah. Um, I love the $100 against a pro. I like, because I think you need to test that, like, street style. Like, hey, you think you can do $100 yeah. against a pro For sure. versus testing like a viral transition versus testing like something conceptual.
2: Yeah. yeah. Back, back at Grind, I mean, we worked with the professor, right? Yeah. The yeah. Professor's right. like a famous street baller. And this dude has built probably a 7 million strong YouTube subscriber audience because he just. We'll go out to Venice Beach and be like, who wants to play a legend yeah. in one-on-one? And he just clowns people on the street. And it's just gets watched unlimited times.
0: I think you could also do reaction cams, the volley cams, all those kinds of things. I think you could also then do if you like you want to go super viral, you could go pro sport athlete from this sport against a pro pickleball player. But the one that I think would be best is bring the uncle Drew of, of Kyrie Irving dressing up as an old man and and hooping on some youngins. To pickleball, dress up a pro pickleball player, give them white beard, white hair, and let them go to town on some kids. And guess what? They're rocking our compression pants. Yeah, compression. Our <laughs> compression yeah. yeah. Right? Baby. He's hurting. And then, oh, he just put him on. Uncle yeah. Drew's cooking. Yeah. Uncle Drew's in the kitchen cooking.
1: Well, yeah. we got the viral ideas for days. And another thing, like, the viral ideas, I feel like everyone's just like, how am I gonna make it viral? We just spit off like 12 concepts you could apply to any niche, right? For sure. Like that's almost against the easy part. Now you just gotta go do it. And everyone's always like trying to hump for those ideas because they're trying to think outside the box. I'm like, this is all in front of you, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm doing I'm doing the obviously the build in public off the founder brand and then like the educational build in public stuff of like this is how our shorts are made. This is how our shirts are made, like on the brand account. Yeah. But then all these series are going on the brand
2: account. And it's that differentiator, right? Like no one in the pickleball space is coming in there with the sauce to do an Uncle Drew no And if we're gonna go saucy, like I do think too, there's something about picking an enemy.
1: That's always yeah. a concept I talk a lot about where it's like, okay, cool. The enemy's tennis.
2: Yeah. You know, like, yeah. And like really be exactly. out there like, yeah. Every
1: time I see a tennis player, it's like, you're like whacking pickleballs pickleball Whatever it yeah. is. It's, like, it's yeah. like finding that thing that people think is funny or people can resonate with and like without having it going, going too far. Like there's a lot of like narrative hooks you can use in your content. I feel like will really help a brand
2: That more. That was 100% something earlier when we were talking about it. I was like, okay, so tennis is kind of like the, not uppity, but you know, it's known as a country club sport and pickleball might be, it's people, ugly. It's the it's ugly sport, cousin yeah. right? it, like, yeah. Everyone else can. Everyone else can go play pickleball. I'm going to go to the country club and play tennis. And it's like, what about you know collabs with legacy brands in well known in like the country club tennis space? I mean, for, well, I think
1: maybe for this brand, it would have to really be the right one. Like maybe some famous municipal. Kind I guess of thing, the South you know? doesn't necessarily. Yeah. Well, also, it's like yeah, okay, what are country clubs that maybe aren't as bougie, or maybe like again like like mini clubs in golf? Like what's the yeah. equivalent of that where people are like, oh yeah, I grew up playing there because everyone could play there. Right. I think maybe we go a little more mainstream. Like yeah, like getting all those established and like collabs is something that like you can go as far or as wide as you want. I think it's just, you know, my only caution would be like, establish at least a little bit of your own identity prior to going into that first collab. Mm. Yeah.
2: That was actually, that's a great segue into what I was gonna ask about next. I think, so in golf, you see, like golf YouTube, are you familiar with how much it's like blowing up right uh, now? I'm familiar with a bit of how
1: in short form, but I'm not, you don't there's want to these guys,
2: uh, I think their brand name is called Good Good, and they have like hundreds of thousands of subscribers and they just hosted the Good Good Invitational love it. It almost pulled in as many viewers as like the PGA, PGA Championship. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. so God, one of their founders came on went on a podcast the other day and he was like, "I actually think that like in a few years YouTube golf will be as big as the PGA Tour." Yeah. And why not? A, Makes sense. It's a sport where the, like the gap between, you know, the best guy on YouTube and, you when know, you Rory McIlroy is it's like it's not like
1: your one-time event like and like the YouTube, the way people are consuming YouTube right now cuz I was always like who's going to watch a 45 minute video from me. And then I started to really look at how people are watching YouTube. And I'm like, oh, this is just like what's on. Like it used to be like you had TV just on at TV. Dinner. Now it's just like, it's oh, easy. we're just YouTube. And we're watching, yeah. and like, yeah, and uh, and people view it, especially with educational content, like, oh, I'm not wasting my time. I'm yeah. learning a little bit. you know, right. like, oh, like, and you multiply that by the amount of people that are in that world and have that available for their streaming apps or on their Roku or whatever it is. Yeah, it's fast Yeah, and, and so what okay. they did
2: is they they launched a full apparel brand on there. They never got sponsored by other Uh, Like Bad Birdie is like another golf brand that like has kind of emerged recently for, I guess, younger golfers. And so my question would be, do you think it's more important to build the brand yourself and be founder led? Or would you maybe look at partnering with pickleball YouTubers? Yeah, I
1: think it's basically one of those two things where if you feel comfortable, you have the social media skill set, build it. If you are not that person and you're operational or you're whatever it is, like go get their influencer and have them equity and like in your business as a co founder, like ASAP, as long as they actually have the acumen and time to spend really building it with you. Yeah. But, like I think that is the cheat code that people don't look at. And especially if also influencer, if you want to start your own brand, get other influencers. Like I don't know why we don't have more, like besides ego. Why don't you have more like brands with three influencers starting it where you're activating those demographics? Like what a superpower compared to building on a single one and you need co-founders. People are good at different things, but I completely agree. Like go hunt that down if not. And they'll be happy too. Those people are also looking at the same thing, how I monetize better, how I build a brand. I'm uncomfortable doing this. Like if you're an operator, there's such a huge opportunity in partnering with creators like that. What channel
2: are you focusing on
1: to start? To start TikTok and Instagram. Yeah. just It's just reaching people faster.
2: Yeah. And I think there is an element of like regional... Uh boost that does come yeah. with those. Like I, I certainly see like a lot of Austin content on Instagram, I see a lot of Austin content on TikTok.
1: Same, I'll get direct Orange County links and all the other like, right. there's a huge, huge element of that. And like, Twitter's great if you're like, okay, I want to start some business relationships there. Same thing with LinkedIn. Like how are you gonna end up getting in touch with buyers like by sharing your wins and like friending people on there? Like I know, um, back to that uh, chlorophyll water brand, like Matt is the founder there. He's just on LinkedIn every time he gets a new chain, dropping that on there. And I think it's probably gotten more new chains from sharing chains he's gotten in and tagging like the buyer, the people there and then their relationships, the industry see like there's a lot of basic tools like that, I think are really underrated. Yeah,
0: dude, for the regional brand. I mean, I feel like you could do the play almost like, you know, the premier lacrosse league. And they kind of like reinvented and one like the and one mixtape tour. Right. We're now like they they essentially just set up a tour just like Taylor Swift goes on tour just like Travis Scott goes on tour. And it's like we're coming to L.A., Miami, yada, yada, yada. You could do the same thing with the pickleball brand of like we're going to Dripping Springs. We're going to Austin. Yeah. We're going to Dallas. We're going to Houston. And then we're going to have these tournaments there. It could, they could be influencer based tournaments. They could be pro pickleball player tournaments. But again, like hosted by that brand similar to like what you're saying now with what was it like, Good Good? Yeah, you yeah, could, you good. could do that on you the cheap do, too because I yeah. like a lot of those
1: courses want people to show up. And so if you, once you start getting to an audience level, you're like, yo, I'm gonna get 20 more people to show up today than normal. Sure get like, it it, you know? And if yeah.
0: like, you're already partnered with those pickleball clubs that we talked about earlier that like you kind of did the drops. You already have the home base for all these events, dude. And, and you're doing your you're doing your monthly, hey, we're trying to break the world
1: record for how many blank happens at one yeah. time or whatever yeah. it is. Like there's a lot of ways to get people together. Oh my gosh, record. I didn't
0: even think about all the, the things you could do, like world record volley. Like there's yeah. so many things oh, you could yeah. do. The and one all these on different pickleball
2: summit vibe Dude would, would be crazy. crazy. Yeah, that, that would actually it'd be it'd be crazy. And people would pull up to that too. Yeah, I mean you could probably get some crazy. Sounds street like vendors. we're already at IPO, you know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, well, cool. You got anything else? I got nothing. Go I, I think we got to go
0: start building. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we're going to IPO. Yeah, yeah. We're going to IPO. I'm, I'm
2: like all in on this. <laughs> I'm pretty excited. What is it? Firm? Uh, firm. Yeah, we're going with F-E-R-M. Firm. Yeah, and
1: then when we eventually branch into energy experiment. Ferment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there we go. And it's ENT for the entertainment division. It's
0: that easy. <laughs> yeah, nice. Well, Orin, dude, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, this was fucking sick. We'll have to do this again. You come here every month. This might just have to be a new series. Yeah, I love it. Let's we'll do this yeah. every every month with a, just a different niche. Absolutely. Next year, we're building in, in literature. <laughs> <laughs>
2: please, please. Appreciate the time, man. Thanks.
0: Thanks, homie. Thanks, y'all.